order for us to properly grow and mature in life, we need to be equipped with what we need to deal with life. We face all sorts of situations, some good and some are bad. See, this comes with life in the world that we live in. Life here is not perfect, by any means. But we can experience good in all situations, as long as we have God in our lives. So what exactly do we need to make it through life? Well, you see, God tells us exactly what we'll have when His Spirit is within us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. See, these are the fruits of the Spirit. And when we are filled with the Spirit in life, you'll experience all these things in different ways. See, when you're walking with Jesus, the situations that occur in the fairway of life, life will lead you closer to Him. Although, if you begin to wander off into the rough, the fruit that's produced in these areas of sin is rotten fruit. These rotten fruit, when you ingest them, will make you sick. They will lead you away from where God wants you to be. They will lead you away from the Spirit. So be careful what you're putting in your body. Your parents, remember when you were little, they said, nope, gotta eat healthy. You see, when you're a little kid, you want to eat the sugary stuff. You want to eat the stuff that's not healthy for you. But as you turn into an adult, you realize, whoa, gotta cut the sweets. Gotta get the healthy. Well, this, this is the same for our spiritual life. You see, you gotta, you gotta ingest the good in life to get the good in life. You can't be over here just messing around with, with all the, the, the wrongs in life and expect good things to happen. You must, it, it doesn't matter if you're in the rough for a long time, eating the rotten fruit, taking the spirit of this world, there's always a way to get back into God's spirit. It's only one decision away. Choose Jesus and receive the spirit. That's the way to do it. So, don't be surprised if things aren't feeling right when you're off the fairway and into the rough. You need the spirit. You see, some of these... Uh, some of these feelings that you could have when you're out in the rough, which, as we discussed in a previous chapter, it's the emotional negativity is what the rough is. Some of these feelings could include fear, which is one that I went through a lot, distress, which is also one that I went through a lot, depression, another one I went through in life, anxiety, loneliness, lack of courage, and all these other things that are no good. Well, firsthand, I experienced them. Guess what? I ain't there no more. Why? Because I got back on the fairway of life. Guess what? I'm living proof. I've proven to myself, and there ain't no one around that could tell me that 
if you get on the fairway of life, you're going to be miserable. No one can tell me that because guess what? I know where the negative things are in life. And it's in the rough. And that rough produced all those things and it tore me apart. But me personally, God pulled me back to the fairways. And I ain't never going back into that rough, that's for sure. I will work on my life and my game every single day to remain in the fairway because guess what? Right now in my life, I'm happier than ever. And my life's just started. Just recently, within the last few years, did I get back on this fairway life. I was way out in the rough. But guess what? I came back to where I needed to be. I came back and I can see a life. I can see Jesus. I see the flag on that hole. And that's what I'm going for. If it takes me 10 shots to reach the green in life, I'm going to take my time on all 10 of them shots. I'm going to chip it down the fairway to remain in the fairway. I ain't risking, you know, hitting driver all the time, hitting three wood all the time, trying to gain so much distance in life. When, when the risk of slicing into the trees is there, I'm, I'm not going to risk that. Now, what I will do, if we're going to look at this as, you know, driving off the tee in life, you know, wake up, prepare for your day. If there's something that is big that I want to accomplish, if I feel confident in God that that day he is giving me the strength to achieve this, I will hit that driver. I will make that big decision in my life, but I'm not going to make that big decision in my life. If there's trees and water surrounding this short, narrow fairway. You see, I analyze the risks on things that I do. If God tells me, go ahead and do it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. But he also tells me all the time, hey, make wise decisions. Look at your surroundings before you make a big decision. Make sure you're in line with what God's plans are. Because his plans could be risky. Or his plans can be safe. It all depends on what he wants that day. So, what can we do in order to grow our game as well as our faith? Well, since there's both good and bad situations that occur in life, we all know that. We need to be prepared for both. See, God allows us to experience struggles in order for us to practice following Him in the midst of these troubles. See, we can rely on God when we understand that God has approved every struggle we go through before it happens. And if you listen closely, you can hear Him promise to get you through it. Because there is a because, a reason why God approves these struggles is because it will strengthen us in an area of our life, okay, that we're going to encounter again, or we could encounter again, or someone that we know will encounter it. Guess who's there with the advice and the know-how to get through it? Well, that would be you. So, look at it as your ball is landing in a sand trap, okay? So, 
being in a trap is not a good place to be, right? On the golf course. We're talking golf right now. Being in the trap, it's not a good place to be. Okay? It's it's a struggle. It's it's a hazard in life. I mean, in golf. In life. But it's a hazard and you want to avoid it, right? But here's the thing. You will most likely encounter a sand trap if you're a golfer. There's sand traps on almost every course. All the good courses at least have sand traps. And the thing is, if you land in the sand trap for the first time in your entire life, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think you're going to hit a perfect shot and land right next to the hole? Mm, Probably not. Probably not. You see, if you never hit out of the sand trap before, that means in that moment, you were not prepared to accomplish the task in which is put in front of you. But here's the thing. If you go to the practice range a few times, if you just started golf, you know, if you hit the practice range and they have a practice sand trap, right? And you sit there, we'll say you go three days in a row before you play for the first time. And if you hit 100 sand shots each day, I know that sounds like a lot, and it is. Guess what? Practice takes a lot of shots. To get good takes a lot of shots. But if you hit 100 balls each day, I'm telling you, by the end of that 100 balls on the first day, you're at least going to know somewhat what you're doing. You're going to find your swing when you practice it. Day two comes around. You hit 100 more, you're going to improve better than day one. Day three, same thing. Better than day one and better than day two. Guess what? Day four comes around. Game day. You land in a sand trap. That recollection of that that memory that's ingrained after hitting 300 balls, you're going to have some kind of muscle memory for it. And that's an important thing to have is muscle memory. You see... When you go and you practice these shots, any shot, punch shots, high shots, low shots, flop shots, any type of shot, if you practice it enough, your body will remember how to do it. Your brain will tell your body, oh yeah, we've done this before. If you've never encountered this situation before, your body, your mind's going to say, dude, what in the world do I do now? How do I do this? You don't want that. You don't want that because let's flip this and let's look at it as a situation in life. Okay, let's see. Let's let's pick a topic. Um, something that you haven't done before. Let's start with a little kid. Okay, say this kid is seven years old and it's Christmas or it's his birthday. We'll say his birthday so it's warm out. And his parents buy him a bicycle. And this kid has never been on a bicycle in his entire life. And the next day, the kid comes up to his dad and says, Hey, Dad, can you teach me how to ride this bike? And the dad said, Yeah, absolutely. So they go outside in the driveway. But the bike doesn't have training wheels on it. And the dad says, oh, you can figure it out. 
and the kid gets on there and he tries riding and he, and he pedals a couple times and then he falls over skins his knee and starts crying and the kid's gonna say dad you didn't help me and the dad says oh well you know I assumed you could do it and the little kid would say well I've never done it before I need help okay so what can this dad do in order for this kid to learn well that's why they invented training wheels you see once the dad puts the training wheels on this bicycle the kid can then practice with no pressure right a kid can ride all around the driveway all day without the worry of falling off well at least i would hope the kid wouldn't fall off if there's training wheels on it but you see when this kid practices and practices and practices riding with training wheels eventually that kid his mind is gonna say i know how to do this let's get rid of the training wheels and when the kid's ready he's gonna say to his dad dad i'm ready i know what i'm doing now can you take the training wheels off and the dad says if you're ready so the dad would take the training wheels off and guess what that kid knows how to ride a bike now see that's the same concept as the golf hitting the sand traps it's the same concept you see you need to be able to practice certain shots you need to practice doing certain things in a pressure-free zone when you do these things in a pressure-free zone it takes the stress away if you tried hitting it for the first time in a pressure-filled situation such as playing in a tournament well that pressure is gonna hit you a lot harder now I know that if you're playing golf in a tournament no matter what there's gonna be some sort of pressure on you but the pressure is lessened whenever you know what you're doing and that's what we need in life you see there's gonna be certain things that we encounter as adults not just kids we're gonna encounter these situations but we have to previously have the knowledge and understanding on how to do these how to accomplish it a lot of times you can actually learn from somebody else doing it a lot of times you know the generations the younger generations you know even the the you know the people my age you know i'm 30 right now the kids my age we learned from our parents mistakes because guess what our parents their generation made a lot of mistakes but guess what our generation we're also going to make a lot of mistakes but we need to set this example for the kids coming up in the future generations you see they can learn from our mistakes but they can also learn from our accomplishments see when you're parenting we could either walk with our kids and help them practice situations in life but we also have the tool on the other hand to give advice to the kids but the best thing to do is to take that kid to practice situations in life practice making decisions on their own practice planning pla practicing making friends practicing anything but if you can bring them to practicing it at the same time giving advice like sharing what you've went through and how you learned how to do it and encouraging them 
They're going to be able to pull off the situation just about every time. And as they get older, they're going to pass it on to their kids. You see, this generation to generation passing of information and wisdom is a very, very important thing. You see, we need to live for the future generations more than we live for ourselves right now. And in this world that we live in, I'm not seeing a whole lot of it. And we need it. We need better parenting. We need more support and encourage. But most, most of all, in my opinion, we need more practice. We need more, we need more learning. We need more experience in how to accomplish these goals, how to make the right decisions. So don't be discouraged if you're experiencing certain trials in your life. Don't be discouraged. Have faith in God. He'll get you through it. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. This is one of my favorite verses. You see, this right here is a message to everybody, every human being ever, that there's going to be a fiery trial, meaning a fiery trial would be a big struggle or a challenge that you're going through. So don't think it's strange because we all go through it. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you got yourself into. It's common. God says all sin is common to man, no matter what the sin is. Other people have done it before. You're not weird and you're not the only one. Rejoice. Because guess what? Even Jesus suffered many trials I mean he was beaten nailed to a cross and put to death but guess what the story didn't stop there you see Jesus died but he didn't really die because he can't really die see Jesus might have been out for a few days but on the third day his father in heaven raised him from the dead that's the resurrection that is what we can be joyful about because the resurrection means we have that spirit in them in us too we will be resurrected as well and we will have eternal life with him you see when we suffer like Jesus, we know that we're on the right path. God says we're going to be persecuted as believers. Now you could sit here and take it as something, Oh my God, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be laughed at. You can take it as that and live in fear. Or you can be brave. And you can say, you know what? 
bring it on, I can take it. If Jesus did it and he's alive in me, I can take it too. Hit it head on. Hit it head on. Go right into the storm because you'll survive and you'll be better for it. See, we see that in all situations that we face in life, they can be used to strengthen us and teach us lessons. You need to have courage while going through these situations. And you need to know that God will get you through it. Don't care what it is. This is part of growing your faith and growing your game. If you want to grow your game, practice trusting God in both the fairway and the rough. You see, walking in, in super confidence, it might not come right away. See, things tend to be added through processes. And not all processes we go through are going to be easy. You see, let's switch up and talk about golf for a second again. For a beginning golfer, they first need to learn about the game. They need to learn how to play and the rules in which to follow. Then you need to learn how to hold a golf club, then how to hit the ball, then practice, then play over and over again. That's the only way to get better. And it doesn't happen overnight. But for the person who has the desire to get better and the motivation to practice and practice, in time they will become a true golfer. I'm not saying they're gonna be on the PGA Tour. They're gonna know what to do in all the situations on the golf course that they will encounter. James chapter 1 verses 3 to 4 says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, I can dive into this one just a little bit. You see, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, okay, that means you need to understand it before the testing happens. You see, if you know that the test itself will produce patience, you're already at an advantage. You know what you're going to go through is a test. You know that there is a reward after you pass the test. You see, you get the patience when you finish with the test because the test itself produces patience. It doesn't say the test will immediately give you patience, but it produces it. So it's this process that the test is. The test itself is a process. And when you, when you make it through it, as you're going through the test, every single question on this test will say, every part of this test is going to slowly produce the patience over time. But you need to know it beforehand. And that kind of reflects on the whole practice thing, right? Like we talked about in golf, right? You practice 100 shots three days. You see, that's not just one quick test, one quick practice, and then you go out and do it. You see, it, over a little bit of time, however long this test lasts, that's up to God. The duration of testing is completely up to God. 
He knows exactly how fast you're going to learn and what all you need to learn to be equipped to deal with whatever situations you go through. So know it beforehand. And then let patience have its perfect work. Okay, once you get this patience, you got to exercise this patience. You see, you're now equipped with it. You made it through the test. You're equipped with patience. Let it have its perfect work. Let it infiltrate all of your body and all of your heart. Let it let it become you. Become the patience. And you're going to be equipped in every situation. You see, when you have patience, in order to build that patience and multiply this patience inside of you, you need to let it work. Which means... When you're in a situation that requires you to be patient, be patient. And every time you let this patience flood you, guess what? That flooding of patience, we can look at it as planting a flower. When you water it, and then you wait, and it grows a little. You water it, you wait, it grows a little. Okay, in life... When you have a certain situation that you need to be patient for, you have patience for it, and then you wait, and then you move on from it, and then you water it with patience again, and it grows, and you keep moving forward. When we do this enough in life, and we let this patience overtake us, and we're patient over and over in every situation we need to be patient in, eventually... We will be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. It will equip us. Patience is key. We must be patient when we're a believer in God. Because God works through processes. Not all processes are quick. They're not the snap of the finger type of processes. And if there is a process that's the snap of a finger real quick, you're not going to gain as much as if you go through a process that takes time. Because the longer the process, the more small steps it takes to get through the process. And every step that we go through adds a little more patience. If you only had one step in your test, in your process, you're only going to gain that little bit of patience. If you have a long, drawn-out process over a period of years, and you're patient throughout it all, every time you need to be patient, you're going to be equipped with a little bit more that you need to grow. Eventually, you'll be grown, you'll know it, and you'll be able to handle it and pass it on to the next people that you encounter. So that's my, that's my speech on that. So, how to grow. So now there, what are some ways in which we can grow our game of golf? And how can they relate to growing our faith? Okay, well, first of all, We should always be practicing the correct way, not as a forceful behavior, as the world may look at Christianity and say, oh, it's, you're being forced by God to do this. Nah, nah. If you're a true believer, you know that it's not a forcible thing. God does not force us to do anything. He gave us free will and loves us no matter what. It's not a forceful thing whatsoever, but rather it's us choosing to practice for a reason. I love the word reason because it, it's a purpose. There's, there is something we are going for that we know is there. 
See, the reason for practicing our putting on the golf course is not to drive the ball farther, right? It's to prepare us to make putts when we're on the green. You don't practice wedge shots, so you're better at making five-foot putts. See, on the practice range, you practice how you want to play on the course. You need to have the visualization skill that you can look at it and say, okay, well, I picture a green in front of me. I picture the hole in this location. I picture the undulation of the green. Or, you know, I picture this is a dog leg. I need to do that. Visualize it. Same thing goes for our faith. See, if we want to get better being patient, like I said, we got to be patient every time we encounter a situation which requires us to be. See, if we want God to bless us in a situation, we must speak to Him in prayer. You see, the interaction with God through prayer, that interaction keeps us close to Him throughout every day. Why? Because you're spending time with Him. You know? By trusting that He hears us, we can know that He'll always prepare us to get through each situation we encounter. So we must seek God through prayer. Hey guys, I just wanted to share a quick fact with you. Um, this kind of hits home with me. Uh, it's about mental disorders. Um, do you suffer from a mental disorder? Do you have depression, anxiety, and such things? I went through this phase, and it's not fun. But I wanted to let everybody know that you're not alone. As a matter of fact, 26% of all Americans age 18 and older suffer from a mental disorder every single year. This includes depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, OCD, and whatever else there are. That's one in four adults. I figure the population of America in 2021 is nearly 333 million people. That makes 87 million people in America have a diagnosable mental disorder. So I just want you to know that you're not alone. There is help. And don't feel nervous. Don't feel scared or embarrassed to reach out to somebody and let them know, hey, I'm suffering from this. It's me. It's part of my life. And I want out. Pray to God. And he can get you through it. I did. And I'm working through them all. And guess what? There's light at the end of my tunnel. There is for you too. Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. You see, 
if you just live your life thinking that these good things are going to just show up to your doorstep, you see, this is not Amazon. This is not UPS. These things aren't just going to show up to you. Now, I spent a long time hoping and wishing that I could have new good friends in my life. But I never went out to seek out to find them. You know, I never looked for them. And I'd always complain to my uh, my parents about it. I'd always say, you know, why don't I have friends? Like, I'm a good guy. Like, I, I think I'm fun to be around. You know, but I don't have friends. And she would always look at me and just say, how do you expect to make friends if you don't go out and try to make friends? And now looking back on it, like, it's so true. You know, they're not going to come knock on my door like they used to when I was a little kid. You see, since becoming an adult, I understand that you part ways with most of your friends from your childhood. When you're done with college, a lot of time you might stick around with, with friends that you made in college if they... You know, we're in the same major, maybe you're in the same field, maybe you work together now. Who knows? But the bottom line is it's important to go out and make new friends. It's important to go out and earn that new position. You know, to earn things in your life that are going to better you as a human being. Ask God and it'll be given to you. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen in the snap of a finger, right? Ask for it and have faith that eventually you will receive it. It might happen right away. It might. Sometimes it happens like that, and that's great. But other times, it happens over time. Maybe, maybe you're asking for confidence. Well... God's not going to zap you with confidence and, and one day you wake up in the morning and you say, Whoa, I am confident now. It doesn't happen like that. Certain things like that, especially when it affects your behavior, your thinking, anything like that, it's a change that gradually happens. It's a process that happens. You know, for me, I wanted confidence. And it didn't happen overnight, as I just said. But slowly... You know, I would uh, put myself in. At first, it was really difficult, right? Because um, I had social anxiety really, really bad. But I forced myself to go to a church group. I didn't really talk to anybody. And I went home. I, while I was there, I felt that anxiety, right? And I, uh, I just wanted to leave the entire time I wanted to just turn around and run out without even looking at people but I stuck it out I stuck it out because I knew that maybe somehow I would find a friend so the first couple times I went I really didn't talk to anybody I went I heard what they had to say I stood around and watched other people because I was out of the social game for a while you know the, the path I was taking in my life took me out of the being social with good people kind of lifestyle. 
So I missed out on the most important part, which is, in my opinion, you know, 18 to, you know, early 20s, because that's when you first become an adult. That's where you learn from your friends. That's where you teach your friends how to be an adult. And um, it just it's really important when you just when you first become an adult to go in with some confidence and some courage um, in order to, you know, meet the right people. You know, because blessings from God tend to come from networking, meeting new people that lead you into new paths. And if you're too scared to, to step out into that light and, and meet some new people and you just hide at home all the time like I did, you're not going to get on God's path right away. And you're going to be stuck trying to figure out on your own when your life is out there waiting for you, but you're stuck at home too afraid to go and live it. This is why we need to be bold and ask for things. And if it doesn't happen right away, keep praying for it. God, give me another situation to, to strengthen me. Give me more. Seek and you will find. Go out and look for your friends. Knock and it will be opened. You know, this has to do with, with praying. You know, there's doors that God opens for you. Um... So you got to find which door leads to your path that God has for you. So go try out this thing. Go try out that thing. If you don't like it right away, then it's probably not for you. But eventually, it's going to happen. But you got to see the signs that is at the start of your path, at the start of your journey into what is right. Things are going to happen. God's going to make things happen when you find your path. Just like me in golf. Right? I know this is my path. And whenever I uh, started going to uh, Northway, my church that I go to now, you know, I got involved in a, a church group and I liked it and I stuck. But then it changed and I talked to the pastor and I said, it would be nice to have a golf league. He said, absolutely. So I started one. And now all of a sudden it's growing and growing. I'm making more friends. I'm finally confident and I'm comfortable with meeting people. Everyone new that comes in, I don't hesitate. I go up and shake their hand. I thank them for coming out, you know. I show love. You know, my my path in life is not just, you know, running a golf league or, or golf outings. It's not just playing golf. It's not just writing a book or doing a podcast. My whole life, and I heard this on a podcast from the Duck Dynasty guys. I've been listening to their podcast a lot. And they were had a, a, an episode on hospitality. And that some people have the gift of hospitality. Where they put themselves behind other people. They do everything in their power to make other people enjoy themselves. And feel welcome and at home. And that's what I have. I know I have that hospitality trait inside of me. I love seeing other people smile. I love seeing other people happy and enjoying themselves, knowing, hey, you know, I helped them achieve that. And God helped me to become who I am. So, you know, just keep trying to improve on yourself, but 
just know that God's there to answer questions that you have. You know, God's there to help you find your path, but you got to be the one to knock on that door and say, hey, God, I'm ready. Once you do that, you will be on the right path. Guarantee it. So when we continually seek Jesus, we'll continue to grow our faith. And when we continually practice our golf game, we continually get better. In both of these practices, as long as we do not give up and stick to it, we'll always be getting better, no matter what. You see, if you practice hitting with your driver all the time, yet you don't practice your irons and your putting, you'll be good at driving and still lacking in other areas. The same thing goes with faith. If you only practice reading the Bible, well, then you're going to get better at reading. But if you don't understand what God's teaching you, what's the point of reading it? If you can't understand something, seek out somebody who does understand it that can teach you. Because a lot of the things in the Bible, they can be difficult to understand if you're not a dedicated reader of the Bible, a dedicated follower of God. It can be difficult. I understand that. But get simple instructions on how to understand it. Simplify it. Don't be overwhelmed. You can do it. You know, I struggled at first, but, you know, I understand it now because, you know, I I just sought out advice from people and, you know, led me to where I am. But anyways, in golf, you got to practice driving, long irons, short irons, chipping, putting, as well as hitting from the bunkers and punching out of the trees. A good golfer, such as the PGA Tour guys, they'll be well-rounded in his or her game. They'll be able to handle all the situations that they encounter. On the other hand, a good follower of Christ will be able to handle all situations that God allows us to be in. You see, they'll be able to read the Word of God and understand it. They'll be well-rounded spiritually, representing Jesus in all areas of the life, no matter what kind of areas they are. It doesn't matter if they're out in the rough, in, in emotional distress, in, in depression, anxiety, any of these things. It's okay when you have Jesus because he's the way, right? When you have him, you're always, you're always going to be able to reach the green. Whether you have to punch out, Jesus knows where to punch out to Jesus knows where to put the ball on the green. He knows everything that you need, and that you can find it in him. But you got to seek him out. You see, we should not overlook any areas of life. We need to be equipped with everything we need to honor God and to stay in his grace. That way, we can all live in peace. So, therefore, we're going to get to Ephesians Chapter 6, verse 13, and you've probably heard about this before. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand. Well, when we equip ourselves with what we need, it doesn't matter what situations we encounter we can achieve our results anytime 
that a problem arises in our life and uh it's just it's easier whenever we prepare ourselves see in this armor of god let me go over the the pieces of the armor of god are uh <clears throat> there's certain order people usually say this in but um they are what they are so first you got the belt of truth meaning be honest knowing god's word taking his word as the truth and believing it at the breastplate of righteousness being right with god god's the one that makes us righteous our righteousness is found in him not in ourselves some people can be self-righteous that's that's not putting your faith in god and letting him be the righteousness for you you got the shoes of the gospel of peace that's self-explanatory Always carry the gospel with you everywhere you go. Believe it. You got the shield of faith. Always put your faith in God. You know, you can withstand anything that comes at you. That's what a shield does. And when your shield is your faith, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You always have God and you ain't going to lose him. You got the helmet of salvation. What Jesus did to you. <laughs> what he did for you. And, uh... He gave you eternal life. And the sword of the Spirit. Trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you no matter where you're at. Whenever we equip ourselves with all of these, as you can see, we become pretty strong people. Right? Because God is the ultimate strong man. Right? So we can be strong and we equip ourselves with what he says to equip ourselves with. So no matter what, God is always there. So the questions for today's segment for growing your game uh, this pertains to myself question one what sort of struggles are you experiencing or have experienced in your lifetime well as other episodes I stated that um, one of my biggest struggles was sexual impurity uh, no I did not wait until I got married. Do I kind of wish I did wait? Yes. I believe that would have honored God a lot more than going through the phase that I've went through in my life, you know, struggling with, with porn and hooking up and and all that kind of stuff, all the mess that came with uh, all the impurities with it. You know, it over time it really changed the way I thought about women and viewed women. Um, you know, for a while I just looked at them of objects of sex and, and lust rather than uh, wanting to truly get to know who they were as a person and treat them you know as if they were you know my sister in Christ God's daughter yes you know we're allowed to be with a woman who would be our sister in Christ but God made a way so that you know we are to be joined with one woman and experience all the good that comes with it but you know it uh 
it really messed me up, but uh, I also look at it as, you know, I'm not trying to justify anything, you know, but it's such a common view uh, that men have in the world now um, with all of the, you know, the sexual images that go on in the world, media, TV, all that kind of stuff. It kind of gets into a man's head. Um, you see it everywhere, and so our our peak of excitement when it comes to women now is, you know, immediately triggers something in your brain. And every time you see something like that, you get that little chemical that's released when you get excited about something like that. And that's what gets so addicting, especially for me when it came to, you know, uh, sexual impure thoughts. Like it was the chemical that was getting released that I was addicted to. It wasn't the, the fact that, oh, this is wrong, so I like it, or, oh, she's you know, gorgeous, so I like it. it, it was an excitement, it was a chemical, which is actually a drug, and that's what makes it so addicting, and it's supposed to be released by that, you know, God designed it so that the chemical would be released, and it would be a pleasurable feeling that you get, kind of like a high, you know, but that was designed to be when you were with your wife, that's what keeps you guys together, keeps it, keeps you connected and, and wanting it all the time, you know, so, if you do struggle with sexual impurity, don't think you're weird at all. You're not creepy. You're not a pervert. You know, you might take it too far and people might call you certain names like that. But, you know, I understand firsthand that it's an addiction to a chemical that gets released. I mean, and once you get that, you know, once you hit puberty or whenever you first start getting into looking at women and, and not just men looking at women, but women and men, too. I mean, same thing. It, um, it's just, it's a natural thing to want sex. It is. And, you know, we don't talk about it enough, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the abuse of sex in general for a while took me down a road that was just out there, you know? But that, um, also, you know, I went through a phase of, of, of drugs, you know, um, painkillers was was a big thing for me stimulants um and the road that i was on when i was on those yeah it, it took me down and um made me dependent on them rather than depending on god and uh it kind of twisted twisted me up and uh just took me down that wrong road you know um do i regret doing these things i don't why well, that leads me on to question number two, and that is, how do you feel God can use these struggles to strengthen your faith? And without going through all these struggles, without doing the things that I've done in my life, I wouldn't have very much empathy for other people, you know. Back in the day, before I went through all that phase, I would judge people. I'd look at someone and say, oh, that guy's weird, or oh, oh, that's, uh, that guy's ridiculous for, for being that way. But I understand firsthand when it comes to any type of addictions, um, any type of, you know, drug addiction, sex addiction, uh, mental health disorders, um, anything like that, manic episodes, stuff like that, I understand firsthand because I went through it all. You know, so that, you can't put a price tag on something like that. It completely changed me. It opened my eyes to see that, you know, this this world really corrupts people without you really even trying to be corrupted, it uh, it comes at you and just snatches you up and leads you down a path that you don't want to go down. But uh, 
for me, you know, that added value to my life. Um, having empathy and sympathy for, for these people that go through these things is not something I would have had if I didn't go through them firsthand. If that didn't go through myself, I, I would no, I would feel no empathy towards them. Um, same thing with, with any type of addiction, drugs and everything. I get what people go through. I will not judge anyone for it. And I just hope people don't judge me, you know, for the things that I've gone through and uh, for how common it is in the world. Yeah, I don't, I don't think very many people judge, you know. Question three, what sort of things do you use to grow your faith? Experiences is my number one. Um, I look for the lessons that come with um, different experiences that I've had, going through certain things, doing certain things. Um, it, it just, like I said, it adds value, you know. So for anyone that has an addiction, bro, take advantage of it. You gotta learn the lesson that you gotta look for the lesson in what you're in, in the things that you've done wrong. Because if you don't acknowledge the lesson, then you're failing the test. Everything God lets us do in our lives, the mistakes we make, all it is is a test, and, and the answer is, is coming to know Jesus. The answer is learning the lessons that God wants you to learn. And if you can do that, you might go through a whole lot of struggles, but you'll know every single time, hey, there's a lesson behind this. Every single trial and, and tribulation that you go through in your life can add value to you if you if you choose to learn the lesson bottom line learn the lessons but that's it for today those were the three questions um i hope to see you guys well talk to you guys uh during the next chapter of the book which is called shot process and we're going to talk about um how to prepare for your day how to prepare for events in your life and how to seek God in every single one of them. So I'll talk to you guys later.